Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. When the music deals with our heart and our mind and is able to prepare us to hear the word, amen. So how many of us are glad to be in the house of God? Amen. Come on. I was glad when they say, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was supposed to say dismiss the children of children's church, but praise God. Aren't you excited what we're doing with our young kids that they're able to participate in worship, that we will teach them how to worship the one and true living God? Isn't that what we need to teach our kids? That they can see a genuine operation of the Holy Spirit and to see how mom and dad and those worship God. Amen. We must show that example and teach them the ways of the Lord because there's so much in this world that is tempting them and, and trying to compete for their attention. And we know that. But if we raise them up in the ways of the Lord, there's a better chance they're going to stay in the Lord. That's what we want. And sometimes they're not. And I got a couple that are like that. But you know what? They were raised in the Lord anyways. And they're going to come back one day in the name of Jesus. And so are yours in the name of Jesus. Amen. And we can take comfort in that, that the God that we serve is faithful. He's immovable. He's unchangeable. He's the champ. He's more than a champ. He's the God of all creation. And we can trust him this morning for what he's doing. Amen. We can trust him no matter what we're going through, that he is God. And somebody testify and say, amen. amen. Because I know there's a lot of testimonies out there. What God has brought you through. Amen. Come on. I didn't say around or underneath or on top. Through. He brought you through something. And that's something to shout about. That's something to testify about. That's something to share with people around you that they may know and taste and see. The Lord is good. Amen. I pray that your hearts are prepared this morning. I pray mine is ready. Because we desperately need the Lord in this hour that we're living. We need a move of God within our hearts. We need a move of God within God's people who have the truth and the dunamis power that is within us to be able to make a change and a difference in this world. Whether where we work at in our family or our neighborhood or at Walmart, the laundromat, we are able to bring an influence of the gospel to people that are around us. This is a time right now in history and this, and this great nation that we live in that people are open to the gospel because all the things that are going on, people are walking in fear and saying, what's going to happen next? And this is a perfect opportunity to give them the solution. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the remedy to all things. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'd like to go into my text. Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, the title of this message is The Burning Bush. Amen. The Burning Bush, and we have heard this story 
over and over again. I'm sure I'm going to repeat myself. I'm sure many of you have heard this message. But does it ever really, really get old? Does it truly, does the word of God get so old that it becomes boring to us? It's alive, it's spiritual, it's powerful. And when we proclaim his word, it should do something to our hearts and minds. It should stir us to know Christ even more and stir us closer to him. Even when we're hurting, even when we are in pain, and even when things are going on in our lives, it should drive us closer to him by the spirit. It's not just any book. It's not a philosophy book, amen? It's not that. It's the book of God revealing himself to us, amen? Thank God for that, amen? He reveals himself to us, and he is approachable. He reveals himself to us, and he is approachable. He ain't like the other religions of the world where they're not approachable, where they don't care. And what's the difference? Because our God died for us. And he has risen from the dead. And we'll be celebrating a couple of weeks the resurrection. So let's continue in the story. Let's put a little foundation. And let, let's, you know, what was that, the old saying? I'll give you the rest of the story. What was that? Who was that again? I, the old timer. Thank you, Paul Harvey. Amen. He would start, and then he, they'd get ready to have that commercial with the rest of the story. He'd come with the rest of it. And so let's deal with this, this, this chapter right here with Moses and how we're led up to it. And so we know in the book of Genesis, God called Abraham out, amen, called him out from his, from his people, from his father, from his homeland, and brought him into a land that he promised that his descendants would have. And God made an uncon uh, uh, unconditional covenant unto Abraham that he would bless him and his descendants in three different ways, the blessing, the land, and people. And so we see that God promised that to Abraham. And from that point, when after Abraham had a child, it was Isaac, and then it came down to Isaac. And then from Isaac, it went to Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, amen? He had 12 sons, and you're starting to see this covenant starting to form that he would be a blessed nation out of the loins of Abraham. And we know that, that Jacob had a son named Joseph, Amen. Remember Joseph? He the coat of many colors and who he was, the, the younger of the one, probably a little spoiled brat too. Amen. But there was a calling to Joseph's life to the point that his brothers were jealous of him. And what did they do? They sold him into slavery. To be honest, they wanted to kill him, but one of the brothers talked the other brothers out of it. No, we can't do that. So we know that Joseph was sold into slavery and he ended up where? In Egypt. And so you talk about someone that has been through it all and seen God's faithfulness and these attributes of God, it'd be Joseph. And as Joseph was there, he, you know, he just doing his thing. He just, you know, whatever. Then he gets lifted up to go into Potiphar's house, and he's become someone that Potiphar can trust with all his household business. And we know the story that after that, that Potiphar's wife accused him of something that he did not do. And from that point, he went from there and then to prison. And so he's in prison, and as Joseph as he is, he just keeps doing what he thinks is right. Whatever what Joseph is doing, it's blessed. He's taken over the jail system, and it's, really, it's running really good. And I'm sure that the, 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 the one that was above him was saying, hey, I love this guy. He's taking care of the majority of my stuff, and I could just kick back some. 
And so we know the story that there was the, the cupbearer cup and the baker that were put into prison because something happened. And they were trying to find out which one did the crime that stole something. And so look how God works things out. Joseph's in there. These men tell him about his dreams. And obviously Joseph has the gift of dreams, right? He can, he can, he can interpret the dreams by the grace of God. And so Joseph is able to do that. He's able to give them the interpretation of dreams, and they come to pass to a T. One is hanged, and the other one goes back to Pharaoh's court. When he tells the cupbearer, remember me when you go to Pharaoh, what I've done for you. And we know the story that he didn't remember him for several years. And so Joseph is still in this prison. But the day came when God had everything orchestrated because of the Abrahamic covenant and what he wanted to do. Pharaoh had a dream, two of them, that troubled him so much that it woke him up. He asked all his magicians and all the wise men in his courts if they could interpret these dreams, and none could. And then somebody says, we know a Hebrew prisoner that's in prison who can interpret dreams. So they call him to the court of Pharaoh, and Joseph interprets the dreams. We know the rest of the story, that God used him phenomenally, and he became the second highest next to command to Pharaoh's throne. That's where God lifted him up. But there was also a purpose behind all that, that God was preserving his people that he has made a covenant with, right? Remember the famine and all that happened. And so God preserved them, and Jacob and his household and his brethren and, and Joseph's brothers all came to the land of Egypt. And we know the story that they were at Goshen, amen? That was where they were at. And so that's where we're at right now. So we continue with the story. Joseph passes away. His brothers pass away. And a new Pharaoh rose up. And this new Pharaoh, the Bible says, did not know Joseph. This new Pharaoh did not know Joseph. And so the story continues at this point that this Pharaoh felt threatened by the children of Israel because they were multiplying, they were growing stronger, and he made the accusation that he was afraid that they were going to align themselves with their enemies and overtake him and conquer the land of Egypt. And so what did Pharaoh do? One of his uh, demonic plans was he started having slave labor. He had them working hard. He was trying to, to hinder them from prospering and, and multiplying and growing. Now, possibly Pharaoh knew what he was doing. Possibly he didn't. But we know the enemy of our soul was behind that. We know that he knew to a certain point that something was up. He just couldn't put his finger upon it. So we continue the story, and Pharaoh's saying, this is not working. i got to do something else. And so he has a little meeting in secret in a way where he calls the midwives to come. And he said, I need you to do this, and this is the king's commandment. This is the, this is the decree. This is what I'm commanding you to do, that every pregnant Hebrew woman that has a child, if it's a female baby, it shall live. But if it's a male baby, he shall die. Now the Bible says that the midwives left from there, and what did they do? They disobeyed the king's commandment, his decree. Because why? Because of the fear of God in their heart. And the Bible says after that, because of that, because of their obedience, that the children of Israel in slavery grew, multiplied, and grew stronger. And so the king does one more thing, and he's trying. I mean, he's trying 
to do something about with the children. He decrees everybody of his people in the land of Egypt to partake of this demonic plan that any Hebrew woman, pregnant woman that had a male child to throw him, the baby, in the water. And so this is where the story begins with Moses. We know the story that he was hidden for three months with his parents. They were the tribe of Levi. They couldn't hide him no more. So she comes up with a plan, which was really God touching her heart because it was a divine plan. This is what, how it was going to happen. To put the baby boy in a basket, set him down the river, and let his sister, her, other do- her daughter, view where he's going. And so we know the story. The baby's put in the basket, going down the river, and by divine appointment, Pharaoh's daughter and her servants were there. And so we know the story. After that, that it was Pharaoh's daughter that drew him out of the water. It was actually his servants that fetched him, but she drew Moses out of the water. And we know that the name Moses means drawn out, right? You're drawn out. And so Moses' uh, sister, Miriam, watches everything. She walks up and presents something to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Shall I, get, uh, shall I get a woman to nurse the baby? She says, yeah, and I will pay her wages. But bring him back at a certain age, and I will raise him as my own son. So we know the story. We know the story that the Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses as her own. Educated Moses in all the philosophy and all that he could learn in Egypt. Everything he learned there. There was a reason why he was being groomed. Josephus was a historian of the Jews who wrote something about him. He said that, that Moses was a general in Pharaoh's army, and there was a time that the Ethiopians revolted or came against the Egyptians, and Moses went over there and had a great victory. So many believe that Moses was being groomed to become the next Pharaoh in the land, and this is big news. But the Bible says... I believe it's in Acts chapter 7. There came a point that Moses went out to go see his brethren. He went to go see him. And we know the incident. He sees the taskmaster, the Egyptian, beating the slave. And he does something about it. He kills him. Then he buries him in the sand. Then the next day he goes back out there. Two of the Hebrew brethren are fighting, and he tries to be the mediator to break them up. And remember the famous word, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses feared and fled. He went to Median. We know that. When Pharaoh found out what he did, he wanted to slay him. He wanted to kill him. So he left the land. He left the land of Egypt, and we know the story. So here we have a picture of Moses with full of pride and just more of him, just who he is. You know what I mean? What he was when he was younger. He just, he thought he had it all together. He had all the power. He had all the success. He had all the reputation in Egypt. And now he's on the run for his life. <laughs> Thank God for God being in control of choices that we make sometimes. And so we know the story that he goes there. He gets married. He has two children. His father-in-law is named Jethro. And for the next 40 years of his life, he sits there and he is a shepherd, tending the flock and probably thinking in his mind, this is how it's always going to be. I blew it. God can't use me no more. 
I blew it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm just going to shepherd this flock and just tend to my family, and that is it. I'm going somewhere this morning with this message because I want you to know God is graceful. Yeah, there's times that he's got to chastise. There's times that he's got to do things to us, to teach us things. But in the end, it's always the result because he wants to use us for his glory. Amen. Moses is not the same man that he was 40 years ago. Something has changed in his heart and his life. Everything has been taken away that he relied upon. And now God's got him in the back of the mountain preparing him for the calling and for the task that is before him. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where God can't use me no more? I've messed up. It's over. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till God said it's over. Amen. So we know the word exodus means exit, departure, or going out. In this message, we will see the example of how God prepares, calls, commissions, and empowers us for his purposes and for his glory. Amen. So let's go into the scriptures. Exodus chapter 1, I mean Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. Why did I say 3? I mean 1. Verse 1 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to her, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared, unto, appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the, burning, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then said he, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to, place, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And behold... And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you, and this, is, this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is this name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am he. He said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also 
said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And if we get a chance, we'll try to get into Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And that's when God starts demonstrating the signs that Moses will do in front of the children of Israel plus Pharaoh. But we'll see if we can get that far. Amen. So let's just go back up to the top. And we see the picture that now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to her up the mountain of God. Amen. And the, angel, verse, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so here we got a picture of the word theophany. Is a, is a word, is a combination of two Greek words, meaning God and appearance. God appeared. A theophany is an appearance of God. More precisely, it is a visible display to human beings that expresses the presence and character of God. Typically, theophanies functions as founding events that establish continuing relations between God and his people. And so we see that the Lord has appeared unto Moses in a burning bush that is on fire, but yet is not consumed. And this catches Moses' attention because verse 3 says, And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great side while the bush is not burned. And can you imagine what he thought at that moment? You're out in the middle of the desert. I mean, you're just doing your own thing. And then all of a sudden, you see this sign. You see this fire. And it's just, that's odd. It's just, you know, you're out there just with you and the, ship, the sheep and tending and all that. And yet the Lord reveals himself in this way. And so what the Lord was doing, he was testing Moses to see if he was paying attention, if he seen what he was really seeing. Because why? Because we see in the fourth verse it says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. He called his name twice. Amen. How many times has God did that in the New Testament? He even said Samuel, Samuel in the Old Testament. He said Martha, Martha. Amen. Simon, Simon. When God calls our name once, that's one thing. But if he calls it twice, there is something definitely going on. And we need to hearken to what he's trying to say to us to get our attention. And this is phenomenal. We have to look at this picture. This is a divine appointment for Moses to see God in a way and experiences his presence that no one else prior to him has really experienced. Yes, Abraham's seen God and that and I, but this is specifically special because we are going to start seeing the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant from this day forward, what God promised he would do to the descendants of Abraham. And so we continue with the story that he looks and he gazes at it and he starts approaching it. He starts approaching something that he's not understanding, but he knows there is something about this burning bush. Praise God. Exodus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Then he said, God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now God is going to tell him the requirements of how it's going to be between him and Moses and let him know that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sets the standard and told him not to come too near to him and to take his sandals off because he was standing on holy ground. What was so special about that mountain? Nothing. What was special was the presence of God. 
that instantaneously became holy at that moment for a divine purpose that Moses is going to encounter God in a way that there was going to be no denying who God is. Hallelujah. This was a holy place, and because God is holy, there will always be a distance between God and man. It's holy ground. Removing the sandals showed an appropriate humility and the beginning of a surrendered life unto the Lord. This is what this is about. God is getting Moses' attention for a purpose and for a reason. He wants to do something through him like he wants to do something through your lives, praise God. Come on. Verse 6 says, And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Here is the connection now. God is revealing himself to Moses to tell him why he's there and the purpose why. He's connecting his forefathers with him as God. And so Moses, what does he do? The Bible says Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. But when Moses finally realized that it was God that was speaking to him, he became afraid. Because now he knows he's in the presence of God. And we must show awe and reverence to the presence of God, should we not? You know, could you, we stand? Could I stand if I would have been there? I'm sure he probably dropped to his knees. He dropped because he was in the presence of God of God, and God was showing him, I am God, and you're just a man, and you will respect me for who I am and for what I've done and what I'm going to do. God would reveal himself to Moses more intimately than he had to any of the patriarchs. Yet it all began with God reminding Moses of the bridge of covenant that they met on. Some in the days of Moses might have thought that God neglected or forgot his covenant in the 400 years of Israel's slavery in Egypt. Since the time of the patriarchs, nevertheless, God was at work during that time, preserving and multiplying the nation. See, God's always in control. They're in Egypt, and God's working over there on their hearts, and God's now finally starting to work on Moses' heart before they can be connected for this work to be done. And so really, praise God, Verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. So what is God saying? I remember the covenant that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm hearing this. I'm hearing these cries. And what do you think the people are doing at this moment? They're crying out to God. Help us. Help us, Lord. Can you imagine the slavery that's going on? For the first 350 years, everything was good between the Hebrews and the, and the Egyptians. But until this new king came in and demonically inspired, he started pre you know, working, just uh, making them slaves and all that, and slave labor. So can you imagine what they had to go through? You know the story. They, were making, they had the straw to make bricks and all that, and all of a sudden they take the straw away and they have to go find their own straw to make the bricks. So they put even more hard labor upon them. And this is a type of what the power of sin will do to an individual. It will always be like that. It will always be forced labor as a slave unto sin. That's why God is sending a deliverer. 
Verse 8, I have come to down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, to Parasites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen, also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God hears. Okay, so God has got Moses' attention. Moses comes to him. God starts revealing himself to Moses. Then all of a sudden now God's telling him what he's going to do through the covenant. See, the Lord is working with them. He's weaning them little by little. But now, <laughs> listen to verse 10. It says, come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You see what God's doing? He's priming him. He's revealed himself to him. Moses is showing reverence and respect. And then now God tells Moses what he's going to do. And Moses pretty much is agreeing. All right, you're going you're to deliver the, the slaves. You're going to deliver them. But then when he points the finger, and I know he didn't, but when he says, you're going to be the man, everything changes. Isn't that in our character? We're agreeing with God that he can do this, he can do that, he can do all these things. But when it becomes personal, when he says, but you're going to do it, oh, that human nature, the heart and the mind starts racing. And we want to start making all these excuses why God can't use us. We better thank God as grace because none of us would be used. Nobody. Amen. And so he expresses this to Moses and Moses like kind of, you know, he's getting into it. He's probably backpedaling. Like, wait a minute, what am I getting myself into? I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, I failed you, God. I killed that Egyptian. I did all these things. I'm exiled from Egypt. How are you going to get me back into that land? They want, they want me. My, my face is on the poster wanted sign. They want me. Not, not alive either. Dead. <laughs> all these things are racing through his mind, and that's in our human nature. Maybe sometimes we cry out to God, God, use me, God, use me. Then all of a sudden the opportunity comes. We're like, God, use someone else. God, use someone else. God, use someone else. Don't we do that? Well, he's more qualified than I am. We're here to understand, my brother, that God does the calling. It doesn't matter what people think about you or what they say about you. When God calls you, that's what counts. You could take that to the bank. If God calls you, it's going to happen. But we have to be obedient. We cannot be like Moses and be unwilling. And we'll see that later if we get to that far. Verse 12. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And so now God says, you're the man I'm going to use, but I'm going to go with you, Moses. You're not going alone. I'm going with you. Doesn't that bring you comfort when God does something in your life and he's challenging you to do something and we're, we're backing up, we're making all the excuses, but then all of a sudden the Lord says, I'm going with you. And I'll tell you what, that brings, that, that brings them hope. Amen. Because our confidence should be in the Lord anyways. That's where it needs to be at. We know we're going to fail him. We know we're going to come short in all these things, but we know that he is a perfect God and he uses imperfect people. It's not always about being behind the pulpit and preaching and all that. The ministry is outside these four walls. The ministry is within your people and your workplace, places that you go. 
It's the body of Christ that works together to get this work done. It ain't no one-man show. It ain't just the elite of leadership. No, there's those, it's the body of Christ working together. And so God says, I'm going to go with you, and this is the token. When you bring them out of Egypt, you're going to come to this mountain. You're going to serve me here. And so God's building up his faith. He's telling you know, things are going to happen, but you will end up right here. You just got to believe me. But what is Moses doing? We do it all the time. Verse 13 says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? This is powerful, amen? They've heard of the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? God, Elohim. They even heard the word Lord in Abraham's time. And even in the book of Genesis, it's used. But we have to understand that the word Lord in this form deals with Jehovah, the existing one. This is how God is going to reveal himself as he's revealing to himself to Moses at this moment and to the children of Israel. And this is phenomenal. He says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so the word I am is a verb meaning to exist. God exists. Jehovah means the existing one. Amen. I am he that exists. God is starting to show an attribute to Moses that he could have confidence and believe in him. Because he's saying, hey, look, I have always existed and I will always exist. I am that I am. I will be what I will be, what you need, Moses. I am control of everything, Moses. Everything. That's why you're here. This is a divine appointment. I set this up so that you could come to me and I could reveal myself to you. Some of the attributes of God right here, it's the independence of God. Self-existent. Amen. He needs nothing from us. He's also manifesting himself here, like my brother said, the eternal God. He's not trapped in time, but yet he's with Moses at that moment, but he could be in an eternity past and an eternity future at the same time. Think about what I'm telling you. That's why he's telling him, you can trust me, Moses, because I know exactly how Pharaoh is going to react. I'm even going to give you the descriptions how he's going to react. He's going to harden his heart, but I'm still going to bring you out of that land. This is the confidence that the Lord was putting in faith in Moses. <sighs> to God be the glory. Definition of eternal, eternality means being, a being, God, without beginning or end. Belief in an eternal creator, God's eternity may be defined as follows. God has no beginning, end, or successive moments in his own being. He sees all things, all time equally, vividly, yet God sees events in time and acts in time. Context of God's existence is the I am that I am. The one who was, who is, who always will be, and that is found in Revelation. Amen. Listen to this. We got to get a picture. Sometimes I'm guilty. We'll read the scripture. I'll say, you know, I am the I am, and we go on. Let's park it here just for a second. There, Moses must have faith and confidence in God, 
Because we know, we know the story, what he's going to face when he gets into the land of Egypt. And he has to know without a shadow of doubt that God is going to go with him. He's going to be empowered. He's going to be commissioned to do what God is calling him. And I'm here to tell you, it's the same thing for us. God is no respecter of person. He is going to equip you. He's going to empower you. He's going to commission you to do the work that he's called you to do. Whatever it's at or wherever or with whomever. We have to get a hold of we got to stop looking to ourselves and look to him. If I look to myself, boy, that's a lot of discouragement. God, look in the mirror and say, you're the man. Yeah, I know. I'm my own worst enemy. But when we look to him, perfection, I mean, who could preach like Jesus? Who could preach? Who could pray like him? Huh? Who could rebuke like him? Woo, man, the religious thing got rebuked. So we continue. All that he is today, he has ever been and ever will be. I am the Lord, I change not. Think about it. He cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect and being perfect. He cannot change for the worse, altogether unaffected by anything outside of himself. Improvement or deterioration is impossible. He is perpetually the same. He only can say, I am that I am. So this is how God is revealing himself to Moses in a powerful way. Man, that is so powerful. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, here we go, the God of your fathers, he connects them, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So God, he draws Moses to himself, he puts the calling in his life, and now he's commissioning him to do this work. I'll try to go through this as we continue. I'd like to go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, but it doesn't stop there, right? We, we continue, and we see other things that God did within Moses. And what else did he do? Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is it that is in your hand? He said, a staff. What does Moses have? A shepherd's staff. I said it earlier that that staff, when it, when it came to the Egyptians, they considered shepherds an abomination, right? They considered them low. They considered them nothing. But the Bible says in the New Testament, that God is going to use the, the foolish things in this world to confine the wise. And that's what God is going to do with this Pharaoh. Can you imagine how big his eyes are going to be later on in the story? We're not going to get that far. When he sees Moses pull up with the shepherd's staff, the Pharaoh in his you know, little kingdom in his court is probably laughing. Who are these abominable characters coming into my presence? But yet God showed his mighty power through that. You see, that's how powerful he is. He can use the weak things in this world to display his power. Please, don't, don't get me wrong when I'm trying to give you this message that it's something that's just supernatural. We are everyday people with everyday lives, have problems, but we have a powerful God that is faithful and unchangeable, and he cares for us, and he wants to use us for what? For his glory. It's all his anyways. That's the point. We got to get over ourselves. We got to get over ourselves and look to him. Man, if, if, 
How about the prophet? He said, oh, this must be the one. Remember Samuel went to Jesse's sons? He goes, this has got to be the anointed. The Lord rebuked him softly. He said, I don't look as a man looks, but I see what's in the heart. God does the calling. Remember that. When God calls you, take it to the bank like I said earlier, because remember, because it will be challenged in your calling. You will have people say, no, you're not called. No, no, no. Don't believe that. If God has truly called you for something, it's you and him, and that's all that matters. Amen? If you're pleasing the Lord, then you're going to be able to please others around you. That's the main thing, because he's going to be judge overall. I will answer to him one-on-one at the judgment seat of Christ, Lord willing, for my actions and for my works. So it is he that I want to please, amen? And that's the one that we please. And if we're pleasing him, then we're going to have healthy relationship with our brothers and sisters, our wives, and our, and our husbands. Right, honey? <laughs> she gently rebuked me. And said, I'll bring it up. I'm, I'm transparent. At the, at the Bible study, I'm just like, duh, 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 you know. And she's like, you know. I mean, she didn't do that, but the eyes said, you know, the wives know their husbands. And she's like, man, you need to throw something at that guy. So, yeah, well, anyways, well, praise God. He says, the staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So we threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it, and I would have ran too. I would have took off. I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll keep my distance now. My shoes are off. I don't like the staff. Became a serpent. Hallelujah. There's a reason why God is doing this. All right, he's already, right, he, 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 was, he was able to get Moses to approach him, to come to him. All right. He puts a calling in his life. He's commissioning him. But now what he needs, he needs to be empowered that Pharaoh and the children of Israel know that he has been sent by God. Remember, I am that I am. I am has sent you. So this is very vital, very critical because we understand with the Egyptian worship and all the deities and gods that they had, it was very demonic, right? We know that they mimicked the first couple of two plagues out of the ten. They were able to do the same thing that God did. But after that, they couldn't do it anymore. This staff represents the shepherd. And who is the shepherd? Jesus Christ. This staff, this staff symbolizes the cross of Christ and what he would do one day. Remember, Moses is the type of shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. Remember, he is the deliverer that has brought the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt into the desert. And so what else is this staff saying when it turned into a serpent? It's showing that God has authority over the power of Satan himself. How did, how did he come into the garden? That's a serpent, right? And he got, her, he got uh, Eve to question and disobey God's commandment. Now God is showing, I'm still in control. I'm going to turn this thing around. What you have done to my creation, I'm going to turn it around through the blood. And so we continue, and he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran. But the Lord said to Moses, put, it, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. How many snake handlers have we got here? I don't know. Would, would you grab it by the tail? Would you? What's the, what's the common sense to do it, right? Where? So, I mean, God is teaching him faith. Think about all these demonstrations that he's showing him. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, are you sure, God? Is, I don't know about that. Why don't you pick him up? No, <laughs> no we can't argue with you. That, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty powerful. Amen. So he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. Verse 5 says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So he gives them these two, he gives them the first sign of the staff. 
And then the second we know what he does, he tells him to put his hand within his chest. His hand comes back and it becomes leprous, puts it back again, then it becomes normal again. Amen. So these are signs that the Lord is going to use to show the children of Israel that Moses has been called from God and sent by God and has demonstrated these signs, right? Didn't they ask the Jews, ask Jesus for a sign in the New Testament? He said, the only sign you're going to get is uh, Jonah three, three days in the, the fish's uh, belly. Remember the signs that they would look for? Hallelujah. Verse 9 is, is very critical. He said, here's a third sign that God would have Moses demonstrate. He said that they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice. You shall take some of the water from the, mile, from the Nile and pour it into the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. And I tell you, there's a lot here that we can look at. <laughs> but remember, remember what they did to the babies. They threw them in that water, remember? They threw the, the Hebrew baby boys in the water. And look how it's going to come back on them in judgment. Did not Moses and his brother Aaron go to Pharaoh on the first one? And what happened? The staff was used as the instrument to bring the sign, and the water became what? Blood. Hallelujah. So we see what God has done in Moses. He's preparing him. He's giving him faith. He's equipping him. He's calling him. He's commissioned him. And now he's empowering him. And we know the rest of the story. We can go on and on and on. He starts making the excuses. I don't even know how to speak. Well, well, Aaron, your brother's going to go with you now. God's like, he's, he's eliminated every excuse that he's trying to do. And tell him, it's still going to get done, Moses. But there came a point that Moses kind of became unwilling. And that's when God really got upset with him and rebuked him. You see, God is not... You know, if, you're, if we're afraid or concerned or this is not natural for us to do, he's okay with that. But when we come up to a point that we're unwilling to do what he's called us to do, then that's when we have a problem. And he will deal with it accordingly. I'm not saying he's going to do something really drastic, but he will deal with this because it's very important. Each and every one of you is important in the kingdom of God, everybody here. You are specifically here for a purpose. We are the body of Christ. And I hear it all the time. People say, well, what am I doing for God? And how can I? You know what? That is up to you to let the Lord lead you in that calling and to empowering you and to commission you to do what you need to do. I'm telling you, how can the body work if a leg is missing? I mean, that's kind of hard to walk around and do the work of the Lord, right? If a, a certain part is missing, it hurts the whole body. We have to work together. We got to get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on the Lord. He does the calling. He's the one that's going to empower. He, he commissions. He does all this for his glory. Our part is to receive it and to believe it and let him do what he wants to do in our life. There's a world out there that's screaming for help. And we have the answer. Let my people go. Amen. And further on top of that, that's the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, these are the three words that took care of all of it. It is finished. It is finished. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It didn't mean that Moses was not going to run into some bumps, and we know he did. It, did, it, was, it was hard at the beginning. Can you imagine going back? 
knowing what he's done and all that he would have to face and going before Pharaoh, the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. That'd be like getting a tribesman from somewhere in the world and come to Washington, D.C. and said, let my people go. And people would laugh. Who are you? What did Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord? I know him not. Well, I guarantee you, by the end of the story, he would know exactly what the word Jehovah meant. And he would understand the instrument of that staff. And he would understand that Moses was sent by God. We've been commissioned to preach this gospel. What is in your hand to use for the glory of God? What is the talent and gifts that God has given you for his glory? What has he given you? Use it for his glory. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you something a little bit more. Even though God sent Aaron with Moses, that was never God's will. And we see later on in the story how much of a hindrance sometimes even Aaron, his old brother, became to Moses. If he would obey the Lord from the beginning, we don't always do it. It's God's grace. It'd be just a little bit different. But God said, okay, I'm going to equip you with your brother going with you. But you're going to see later on that the calling was for you. Levi would become the priest, so the priest at the beginning of that. But I called you as the deliverer to deliver my people by my might and by my power. Mm. Hallelujah. I love you. I love you so much, I'm going to say this real quick. Maybe someone here is running from their calling. I heard to tell you, it's best just to submit to it. And come to him. Don't run anymore. There's too much at stake in these last days. There's a lot of souls that need to hear the gospel. And you could be that key person that can unlock the city. That can unlock God wanting to do specifically something through New Beginning Fellowship Church for his glory. So please hear me. And if you're having doubts in your mind right now. The enemy's trying to play with you right now. Your own heart is condemning you. And I could never be used. I could never, you know, I've, I've been sat down for a while and, you know, I made these mistakes. You know, forget all that. Just come to him. Draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. It's the body. It's the body of Christ. It's not one man. Shell, them days are over. They worked for a while in the past and some decades. But things are changing. God is trying to get this nation's attention by the things that are going on and he's getting it right now because ain't no political figure going to get us out of the mess that we're at i'm telling you the truth it's going to be the lord himself and it takes his people to demonstrate that power and that love to a lost and dying world the politicians don't have the answers of what to do where we're at right now but the church of jesus christ does have the answer and if we proclaim this gospel we'll be able to see hearts and lives change you want change in washington dc you want change a different place pray for that man pray for that woman and if they get saved guess what that heart is going to start getting changed and then policies will start changing and then laws will start changing and then we'll start getting the favor of god back in this nation but it takes God's people to do the word take the commission be in power than the calling and do what God is calling you to do come on hallelujah thank you Jesus amen he loves you come on can you think about that for a second he loves you 
for you. They pulled his beard. They beat him. And all he could see was all of us in his mind. I must do the will of my father no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter what I'm going through. I love these people, Father. We created them in our image. The enemy has come and marred that image, but I have come representing you to bring back that image in their life through repentance and believing on me. Hallelujah. We're about to, Lord willing, celebrate the resurrection in a couple of more weeks. And this is when we get the world's attention. This is the chance that we should take advantage to proclaim the gospel because for a moment that the world stops to hear us celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's our moment to stand up. It's our moment to say something. We need men and women of God that are going to sit up in this nation and say, this is what needs to be done. This is what needs to go in this direction. Somebody has to stand up, and David said, is there not a cause? Pastor Donnie Swagger preached that message many years ago. Is there not a cause? And David, something in his heart was rising in the Holy Spirit when he seen how that Philistine was, was just messing with the, the armies of the Lord. He says, is there not a cause? Amen. You've been commissioned. You've been called. You've been empowered to do what God is calling you to do. He's given us everything that we need. Everything that we need for this calling. We'll see change, but it's going to come through God's people in prayer and through the gospel most of all. Can we stand? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If we've been born into the kingdom, we've been called. There's no neutral ground. We can ignore that or we can just receive it. Amen. I don't know, maybe your calling is just to be an interceder. Maybe. All right, well, praise God. We need those that know how to pray. Maybe God's using you because God has blessed you like Abraham financially and you're able to help other people and you're able to help those that are out there in the world. Praise God. That's a calling too. Maybe God's just using you at the school that you're at. Maybe if it's a public school, which needs a lot. Or your workplace. But I would ask you to come to the front, please. We could just pray together because it's really just one calling in this body. I know that Pastor Brandon's not here, but we know his heart. We know the vision that he has. But if we could just come together just in unity and truly understand what God's calling us to do, then we will be more effective. I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm just stating a fact. It was shown in the book of Acts what they were able to do when they were in one mind and one accord. It was shown the demonstration of God's power and his love through the gospel, how the gospel spread so much during that time of the Roman Empire. You know that the Romans, they used to say there's only two kind of people, Romans and barbarians. But the Christians had such an impact in this empire, they had to come with a third. The Christians. What an impact. It's not my power, it's not your power. It's all his. All we have to do is just to receive it. Amen.
pray that you come to the front. Let's just pray together and say, God, we need each other. We need, we need the Holy Spirit to move in our life, to empower us to continue in the faith and to do what God is calling us. Don't look to yourself, look to him. Don't look to a man, look to him. Yeah, we need each other, amen? We need each other. Oh, do we need each other, church? We're kind of, right? We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We still participate. I'm not saying that we distance ourselves from all things. But there's a separation between us and this world system. That we are different, but yet we can impact this world system. I pray this morning that you just cry your heart out. That we cry our hearts out to God. And God, empower us. Touch our hearts this morning, Lord, whether there's discouragement, sickness, whatever, that you are still faithful as you showed yourself to Moses. You're showing yourself right now by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we, by faith, are going to receive what you want to do this morning. We're going to receive it by faith. That's how we do it, right? It's faith. It's a gift from God. Faith. Touch the Lord. Touch the hem of his garment this morning that he may empower you and strengthen Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, you know the hearts. You know our hearts. You know we're exactly where we're at. I ask that you would touch each and every one of my brothers and sisters where they need it, Lord. Whatever's happening, you know how to do those things. As you patiently spoke with Moses and you wooed him to yourself to find that you got him to a point where he was ready and willing to go and do what you called to do and help us, Lord. We rebuke every spirit that would try to come in and bring division or speak in the brethren's ears and trying to bring lies and discouragement. We rebuke that spirit. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would deal with hearts this morning after this message. To God be the glory. It's all yours anyways, Lord. We just want to glorify you. We want to uplift your name and live for you, Lord. Help us, God. Help us in our calling, the gifts and the talents that you've bestowed upon us, Lord. May we use it for your glory. Empower us, Lord, in these days. Help us in our families, our workplaces, our church, our schools, and our communities, Lord. That's where we at this morning. Let's just spend some time with the Lord a little bit in the morning. Right now, this morning, meditate upon Him. Let Him do a work in your heart.